Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of This Korean Life, coming to you from Ulsan City. Today's episode is brought to you by We Hope, the only foreign run NGO based in the southern part of the peninsula. It is dedicated to working with disadvantaged youth, fostering growth and awareness in communities, and improving the lives of those in need. We Hope runs a variety of programs and fundraising events in Ulsan, Busan, and Daegu. If you would like to volunteer or make a donation, please visit the website at www.wehopekorea.org or check them out on Facebook. That website again is www.wehopekorea.org. This podcast is also brought to you by JJ's, Ulsan's favorite expat hangout north of the river. Patrick and June serve up cold drinks and delicious pub food daily. Their famous poutine is the only one of its kind in Ulsan. Wednesday is burger night with resident chef Tony Rowell at the grill whipping up some tasty burgers. Visit JJ's on Facebook to find out more about upcoming parties and events. Uh, today's guest is Kevin Pope. Uh, he's a longtime resident of Ulsan. He's been here more than 20 years. He's a local pastor, a father of three. Uh, we talk uh, in depth about uh, about Christianity in Korea, his experiences in the church, and um, and his plans or his thoughts on growing old in uh, growing old in Korea. Uh, this podcast started off a little bit slow, but it picks up speed, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. You are now tuned into this Korean life with your hosts Brian and Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life. I'm here today with the co-host, Nate. Say hello. Hello, everyone. And this is Kevin, Mr. Kevin Pope, uh, a longtime Ulsan resident. We're happy to uh, happy to have you in here today, Kev. Welcome. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you, guys. Really enjoy uh, having an invitation to talk about my life in Ulsan. Yeah. Well, I know you're no <laughs> you're no stranger to interviews. This is uh you know, when I again when I first came here, I didn't um I was never introduced to you and I knew you as the I knew you as the guy who I mean, anytime a camera was there, you had a nice suit, you're ready to go. People were always interviewing you, and I never knew. I never knew why. I never knew why. But it um, uh, it's apparent now that you uh, you've been here for a long time and have uh, have uh, have some roots in in Ulsan and um, and an interest in in the community and uh-huh. and uh, and everything. So, anyways, welcome. It's nice to uh, nice to have you here. Anyways, what, uh, why don't you give us a, just a, a brief intro of yourself and, uh, and how, uh, how you ended up in Korea? Well, um, I'm from upstate New York. I was born there, but uh, quickly moved to California, so most of my education was in California. Mm-hmm. But we moved around too much for my father's job. Mm. He wasn't military, but um, nonetheless, uh, six different schools in elementary school, so didn't settle down too much. Um, as I went to university, I went to California Baptist University and I was, you know, wondering, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. Mm. And I knew that's where I was. And also I'm a bivocational pastor. Um, cause I think that a, a what, sorry, a, a bivocational pastor means, can, a pastor. You, can you translate that for me? <laughs> <laughs> it means I think, uh, a pastor should have a secular job 
to provide for his family, not rely on the church specifically. It's mm -hmm. nice when the church can support a pastor, but the work that I do is not big church. I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in people and volunteer work and cool. supporting. So nice. I think, and partly my mother was kind of challenging because she never, she thought churches were big business and I had to show her, no, it's not business. It's something different. Well, they're even bigger business now. <laughs> <laughs> they never had these mega churches back then. Oh, no. Not some of the stuff I read about and see about at home. Nope, nope. Even the old one, actually, the mega church in California, they closed. It was quite interesting, the Crystal Cathedral. The Catholic Church took it over, so it's still a church, but it changed a lot. Wow. And the big one in Seoul is one of the biggest in the world, I believe. Isn't that Moon, the Moonies? No, no. That's the... He was that's in California, too, wasn't he? Uh, for a while, he was. Hmm. Um yeah, the Yoido Church is one of the right. largest, but it's not the the building is not large. No, the congregation. The, the congregation, but actually, Nigeria is oh, I'm calling out for the largest church. They're they're building a church for three million people to sit down at one time. So wow! But they got their training, I'm sure, from Korea. <laughs> <laughs> so where did where did you go after uh, after that? Uh, after Cal Baptist. Um, well, I was tried my hand at teaching in California as a California public school teacher. Um, taught for a year. Unfortunately, I was in a. It was a great school, fantastic place, but they it was a private school and they had economic problems. And first one in, first one out, so <laughs> I lost my job. And then uh, I went up to San Jose, worked there for a while, but. In California, the politics for education and teachers is ridiculous. And Still or just back then? I don't care about now. Back yeah. then, you know, yeah. this was, what, 1997. And it was really frustrating for me because I had good grades, good references, everything. And uh, for some reason, I couldn't get into a good position. <laughs> and uh, so... I went back to my university for a while. My friend was the uh, cafeteria manager. Mm. And so I became, <laughs> I worked in the computer for a while until one of the chefs didn't show up. Cooking has been a hobby for me. Right. So uh, the chef didn't show up and I just told my friend, hey, I know how to do this. I was a student here. I know what we like to eat and everything. So you went from cash register to cook? Cash register to there cook, and um, it was really fantastic because students loved it. Had my own Kevin's Corner where I created my own foods, specialty items and such. So worked there about a year and moved on to a summer camp. And then I was cooking for like 500 people a night, wow. and that was fantastic. I really enjoyed it Jeez. up in the mountains. Um, but as summer jobs go... You know, the end of yeah. summer comes. But I got this notice. Now, I had been to Korea before. I, I came to Korea in 95, 96. For teaching? And, for teaching. Really? I was in Chunju mm. and um, had a real good time there. But because of family situation, I had to leave, do a midnight run, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you stay the first time? Uh, I think maybe nine or ten months. Okay. Oh, so right so, before... Right before the contract ended, you uh, 
<clears throat> you made your uh, yeah. Usually, usually it's the other way around. The, right. the Hagwon directors who renege and don't want to pay you your bonus and everything else. Well, um, it was quite amazing because when I came to Ulsan in '98, um, my new Hagwon director he contacted the old Hagwon director, and the <laughs> old Hagwon director spoke highly of me and said I was a great teacher and everything. <laughs> and I was a bit confused because I thought he'd be really pissed off no, no, no. <laughs> there's out. just one thing he might disappear <laughs> well out. no the, the the interesting thing was the last lesson i had was what's your home address i had prepared a letter in korean mm. and english and got the students home address and the day i flew home put you know a hundred envelopes in the mailbox Monday morning, all the parents got their letters. My apology and everything. So uh, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. I think that helped. No doubt. So. Oh, you went out. You went out with Grace. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you went home for two years. Then went I guess. Went home or? for two years. Couldn't get into the teaching well. Began cooking. Had a great time with that. But then summer came, and. The summer job was going to end, and I was going, where am I going to next? And there was a notice in my university that, oh, they need teachers in Korea. Hmm. Who was, who, um, who's advertising those? Are those recruiting companies? When I was uh, in, it, when I was in uni, it was Oxford, Oxford seminars that was, that they would go around, put their posters, come and give a prep speech before, um, before your lecture. But what about for you? So, um, it was, we had a notebook at the um, job placement center at my university. I was flipping through and all of a sudden there's an ad for English teachers needed and blah, blah, blah. And mm. I thought, okay. And this time I didn't have to front money up. I found out the first time I came to Korea, they... They, <laughs> you know what it is. Hook, line, they and took, sinker, They yeah. took $400 from me, $400 from the Hagwon director, and all this other stuff. If but. you if you think that's bad, last uh, last week we had, excuse me, <clears throat> last week we had uh, Binu from Namaskar, in, and he paid $8 million to come. Oh, my gosh. He paid $8 million. Oh, so $400 to drop in the yeah, bucket. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, I had figured out that I didn't have to pay anything except, you know, my air, even my airfare was reimbursed. Was reimbursed. So I, I had a real good <clears throat> time coming back to Ulsan, mm. except I was a school teacher, mm. and the Hagwan director good reputation. He had many Hagwans, but all he was in it was for the money. Mm. And like most, yeah. No? And so after two years, I was just going, "This is nuts. This is crazy." But within these two years, you know, I'm developing. Uh, social groups. I was. This was the first two years back, or the two years in first between. First two years back, back to yeah. Ulsan. Uh, I was leading a, a English Bible studies at a couple churches, and um, in 2000 is when I um, met my wife. Hmm. Now we were introduced through a church group, and uh, like two and a half months later, we were. Um, in, engaged to be married. Wow. So, yeah. Life old, changed. Quick. The, old, the old timers don't. Uh, you guys don't wait for anything. Even even Jeffy was six well, months in married, and 
Hey, I guess I was too. My grandparents got <laughs> married after a week of meeting each other. So that's know, a different, have that's that. a different generation. <laughs> so how I'm I'm curious how you said you started a couple of Bible studies and stuff at the churches. How did what was the approach? How did you get into that back then? I mean, it must okay. have been very different. Now I went to church for the first time about six months or a year ago. The uh-huh. first time in a long time in Korea. When I moved to Korea, I'd gone a few times, especially at Christmas or something. I felt a little homesick. But I hadn't gone for years and years. And I, I got invited to the one next door to us uh, maybe about a year ago. My whole apartment complex goes to that church. People moved to my neighborhood just to be close to walk back and forth to the church. It's a pretty big one. Right. And I had a really, really interesting experience there. A very, very different from home, church at home. And I know even the church at home have changed so much. But how did you get in? Uh, I mean, at the beginning. Well, when I, I was like a, a, a whale, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't in a in a green pasture, and everyone was just watching me. It was so weird and so awkward for them. Well, it, the the first month I was here, I I can't remember who somebody invited me or gave me a ticket. There was a Christian uh, concert at KBS Hall. Creed. And I mean, Creed, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so it was around Christmas time too. So anyway, I went to this concert, and um, at the people sitting next to me, we started chatting. They spoke English, and uh, they, in, you know, invited me to their church. So I thought, okay, cool. Well, you know, make a contact, and I went to the church and felt comfortable and everything. But one of the things I began to notice quickly when I got here, there were no services for foreigners. Mm. I had learned that, you know, there was an Anglican priest that came twice a month to do services out in uh, Donggu Mm. for the shipyard people. And I knew there was a Russian Orthodox church and there are a few cult groups here, but... (laughs) <laughs> the ones that more hang than out. a few the ones that hang yeah. out in the park but, but right. did you did you coming over did you expect that there would be i mean when i came here people didn't even speak english here like well, their english was almost obsolete it, it's a lot different now but did you I, expect there to be churches or english uh, services because i knew of korea's uh, christian history and whatnot and um I come, my university was Southern Baptist, so they're very active in mission programs and whatnot. But um, I kind of expected there might be something around because of military bases. But I didn't course, realize yeah. there was no, oh, okay. Well, not so around here. Not around here. <laughs> but um, at the church I went to, Ulsan Church, there was a, a Korean man. He, was, he spoke French, English, Korean, and Arabic. And he was a missionary and kind of, you know, we connected and they, they had already had a Bible study going on in English. There was a man, his name was Matthew, and he was about 80 years old. And I guess he had been here since after the Korean War. He wrote one of the books in the Bible? Yeah, pretty close, pretty close. Um, Mark's buddy. So This was a foreign guy? Yeah, it was a foreign guy. He was 80 years old and I just, you know... he. I didn't get to know him too much, except it looked like he had a personal driver, and he visited. He every Sunday he came to the church, spoke about twenty minutes, very you know, very slow, and I mean it was really great. And a few weeks into being here, I looked at him and I'm going, "Am I replacing this guy?" 
I just thought, you know, and I kind of figure, yeah, I guess so. I kind of replaced this guy because I've been involved in the churches in Ulsan, you know, for over 20 years now. Cool. Um, what kind of roles have you had and, and what what is it like working with the Korean uh, church staff? I mean, compared to home similarities, differences, challenges? Well, um, at the first church... The church, I'd, even though the big church in town and the, the pastor spoke English, I think he didn't care for Americans too much because he studied in South Africa. Um, no. But I, I felt very awkward because he, you know, he didn't know me, so there was no connection. And he didn't want... I don't know. Anyway, it was a strange felt intruders. Yeah, but the missionary. Friend, Where's Matthew? The missionary friend and I, um, we got together, did some things, and uh, continued on with the English Bible study and everything. And um, people found out. I had one guy drive forty-five minutes just to come to the English Bible study, and um, another church was interested. So I, you know, one day, one church, another day, another church. And so slowly building. And then after I met my wife, we were going to a different church, mm. but I was still, you know, doing different Bible studies. And um, the biggest thing that happened after I got married, I got a job at Ulsan College. And so I went from the Hagwan teacher to a college professor and with that I went over to Donggu and so I met many different people and I began I met the head nurse for the nursing department at the university hospital uh -huh. and she asked me could you lead a bible study so huh. sure why not but and she knows a little bit about you. She, I mean, um, she had heard. Or is that just the most random thing ever? Hey, no, that that one was. I've had random stuff. That one wasn't random. She had heard of me before, right. and um, so I did uh, at the university hospital, leading the Bible study for emergency room nurses and doctors. So it's not easy stuff here. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, that was a, a good experience to see what was going on at the hospital and stuff. But at the church that my wife and I were attending, um, I was given a kind of a position as English leader. So it went from Bible study to English leader and kids group activities. At that time, was there any English services in the city or no? Mm, no. Not an English service there. Um, not that I was aware of. Was there a need of one? Um, yeah, absolutely. There was a need of one. And it was. it's even funny, too, because one of the university friends that I had, he's Muslim. And at the time, there were no mosques. So he came to church with me. And he spent huh. one year coming to church, doing stuff, going to Bible study and everything. And we had a good relationship. Uh, he's since gone back to uh, Pakistan, but his fourth generation now, you know, students of his come to Ulsan mm. and I meet them. And ah, it's a okay, okay. pretty cool connection huh. over over the 20 year period. Right. Um, but 
going back to the, the church business, the church my wife and I were in, the pastor took a weird turn on doing stuff that I totally <laughs> disagreed with. And, you know, coming in and having miracle services with people's teeth turning gold dust in your mouth and all this stuff. And I'm going... He's a healer? Uh, Praise the Lord. Uh, Slap you in the well, head and your crutches he, fall he down. Was, he, was working, <laughs> he was working on that. And yeah. I just... I couldn't, you know, couldn't Hinn. put up with it anymore. Well, no, that's Benny it. Kim. Yeah. yeah, Benny Kim. That's right. So I couldn't, I just couldn't deal with that. He's got a, he's got the little microphone in his ear. Does anyone live in Mugadong? Mugadong? You got garbage out front of your house? You got a smelly so river? Is there, is so. there any, like, how, how do they, is there any, uh, do they check your credentials or anything? Or how do they well, know that, could I start doing this tomorrow? And they, just, as long as I'm interested well, and they think I know what I'm doing, Actually, I must be, or because I was or um, licensed to preach in 1989, and that was in California, and I had studied ministry, so studying teaching and ministry because I wanted to go into Christian education first. Hmm. Um, and how does that but, translate here? Is that okay? Yes, well, because sometimes they question your degrees the, or they question the degrees, and so with me doing the Bible study and stuff, that's just me doing Bible study, but. In 2000, I was ordained as a minister from a church in Santa Cruz, uh, California. So I've, you know, got the documents. Um, the church I was, my wife and I started in together, I was there for three or four years. And then, you know, things just went crazy. Mm. And I just said, ah, oh, I can't do this. So I stopped <laughs> going to the church. But... People who had been in the church before had moved to Tewa Church, which is another big church in the city. Right. And I took a break. And, you know, when are you going to church? What's going on? And I'm just resting now. I'm taking a sabbatical. Okay. Just, <laughs> you know, taking a break. But I got a call from Tewa Church. And they called me as an English pastor. Nice. That was when I got the, you know the stamp of approval in Korea that yes, I'm, huh. you know, what I'm doing is good and right. And I've got, you know, cool. understanding yeah. authority or whatnot. I, yeah. I think you can so, draw an equivalent almost to, um, almost to, uh, when I was young, taking, uh, taking karate, you know, you can get your first degree, second degree, third degree, but if you want to proceed from there, you kind of have to open your own school or teach so many students right, or, right, or right. show that you're, uh, that you're genuinely interested in the, in the community or, or developing or, or continuing the, continuing the, um, whatever. Yeah. So when I was called to Tewa Church, it was really fantastic because the previous church, the pastor kind of controlled me. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Cause we wanted to do a big mission project. And he just said, no, no, that'll take away from my program. And I'm going, Whoa, it's not your program. It's God's program. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at this, at Tewa church, the pastor there, he just welcomed me and said, hello, brother, here's your space. Do your job in his hands. You know, basically he told the elders, Kevin will do his thing. So when you have that and kind of autonomy, how do you recruit? How do you, I mean, is there, I mean, are you well, preaching for five, 10, a hundred people or the, well, is the, it Koreans the who come? The biggest group who? we had was 60 at one point. 
And this was and I mostly was, not not Koreans. That's um, all international. It was mixed. It was mixed. Okay. Um, what? Let's see. I are I the Koreans practicing at, English? Yeah, lots of <laughs> lots of Koreans come and not only practicing English, but for business reasons, or they've lived overseas, right. or you know okay. they want to maintain their English. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the time, um, another Shimon Church they had their program going as well. So there were two, and it was not there's there wasn't competition. Mm. It was the fact that there were so many foreigners around and people of different backgrounds. And so I'm progressive. That's, that's the world word I'll use. Um, I was allowed to perform weddings and ceremonies. Other people, the church said, oh, no, they have to go through our procedure and right. policy and stuff. Yeah. So I was given a lot of rain, free rain. And... Um, what was quite amazing is at the time, the pastor, Bill, who was at um, Shimon Church, <laughs> uh, he he and I were both put on the um, FEBC, ra- Christian Radio. Huh. So for three years, every Sunday night, our services or our sermons were broadcast Sunday oh. evening in English through cool. Ulsan, you know, to about maybe an audience of 4 million people. Nice. And, you know, that's an incredible thing. That just happened. It Everything just kind of fell into place, yeah. and I kind of, you know, nice. went with it. I still get people saying, geez, we'd love to hear you again on the radio. Um, so you've been on quite a, a roller coaster ride yeah. through the all the different parts and, and aspects right. of the church. Right. What about these days? Are you still actively involved, or are you on another sabbatical? Or? Um yeah, I'm kind of. That's the quest I'm on now. I'm I'm actively sabbatical. That's a good explanation for it. because um, with the economic downturn, right? Um, a lot of foreigners have left. That comes up every time on here. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the sure. state of the economy. Yeah. I left. They well, left. No customers. I, after I was at Tewa Church, I had uh, situ. I was there for about five years, and then I took time for another break. I opened my own church with my funds and I took care of a church for three years. That was, uh, uh, what's it? What's the Ulsan English fellowship. fellowship. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's still online and people still contact me. Cool. Um, because of the economic reasons after three years, I had to just make a decision, either use the money to pay the landlord or use the money to help, people in need so i you know closed the church doors but uh that allowed me to do other ministry work and i got i got a question yeah uh at home the only people that have ever knocked on my door were the jehovah witnesses and you could count on them at least three times a month or whatever they'd be by one of the things that opened my eyes or was shocking in korea was how many random people would approach me when the average Korean 15 years ago was was scared to approach foreigners, was hesitant and embarrassed to speak English and very shy. There were these super overconfident ajumas or, or women or or even young men that would approach me and start introducing the Lord and the church and everything else to me. And I thought, wow, they're you know they're really brave compared to the average Korean. Right. right. 
and and these were not Jehovah Witnesses. Although they do come knock on my door regularly, right. still, um, I try and scare them away by answering in my underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> scare most people, but but the, just the the rant, I think the Presbyterians and Methodists are the biggest groups here, right? Right. right. Uh, have you had any experience? Do you know what? I'm just curious. How or why is it so? different here and why are they so curious and keen to approach the foreigners i'm assuming they know we're from christian countries and we're easy targets to go to church but i mean it's in korean so that would be a, a turnoff well, right away some it depends some churches some, some people have good motives getting you to church encourage you support you if you need help others um hey let's ring a foreign teacher to come here and then let's <laughs> let him do English Sunday school for the kids and we'll get free English classes and stuff. Uh, and people did that. And, and I'm, Because, I mean, me standing on the bus on a Friday night going to party and some lady thinks I'm the, the best target to get to church on Sunday. Right, and right. Like, <laughs> 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 so many times it happened to me in my, my first five or six years here. And I don't know why I don't attract that attention now, but maybe I got a car and a family and I'm more private. Right. But, man, just being out <laughs> alone in public, I used to get it all the time. Yeah, well, y- years ago, um, one of the churches, their their technique was to go to the you know tombstone or go to the one of the foreigners' bars <laughs> and, um, hey, I'll buy you three beers if you come to church on Sunday. And I just died. I thought, oh, man, what a... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't mind drinking and stuff, but that's not the way to do it. Right. Unless you can turn water <laughs> to wine yourself, mm. um, otherwise. <laughs> but even um, in, uh, when we lived in the one rooms over by Tombstone, it was uh, there was I got uh, solicited often, and it was every every uh, at least well, every few weeks, you know, anyways. And someone would knock on the door, two or three ladies, and it was the same. You wake up hungover with. Uh, in your in your undies and you answer the door. And, I thought you were gonna say with a couple of women. Do you know, <laughs> no, you know. Do you do you know Jesus? I'm like, oh no, no, man. I don't wrong know. He's answer, not here. Yeah. No, he's well, I remember. Not here. I remember telling that lady that it was a Thursday, and I remember telling one of them, "If you come to my church Friday night, I will in turn come to your church on Sunday morning." Fair deal. And I thought that was fair. You come and see mine, Tombstone, and I'll come and see yours. And just, oh no 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 no! I I don't I'm not interested in yours. I just want you to and and very good English, very very good English. I mean these people didn't approach in Korean. They they there's a weird correlation between church people and English. And I don't know if it's because lots of them do missionary work abroad, but lots of them speak good English. Anyways, she refused my uh, my suggestion, and I said, well, if you're not willing to try mine, then why should I be willing to try right, yours? Right, right. Knowing full well that she wouldn't accept, I just thought. You want sure? I'll come absolutely. One condition: you come to mine Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, uh, no, thank you. Well, see, even when I was in, you know, um, in California and stuff, um, I don't care for that style of witnessing or sharing. Going to somebody's house and saying we're having this event at church, you're welcome to come. Love to see you. Have a nice day. That's fine. Yeah. Going up. And, you know, listen to me, foot in the door, preach, preach, preach. You're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus. I I don't believe it. That's not how it works. Another bunch of times I've been approached, which was very odd, uh, was by the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints boys. Yeah. 
and you know them because they're so prim and proper. They're always between, let's say, 18 and 25. They wear a white-collared shirt with a tie. They have they their speak, little merce. And they speak fluent Korean. Right. right. <laughs> they're well-trained. They're, they always have a Korean, not minder, but a Korean buddy with them. And they speak fluent Korean. And the Korean guy speaks fluent English. And I think, you guys could be making millions of dollars here. What are you doing? <laughs> You would be surprised. And I see them all the time. For 15, 16 years, I've yeah. seen them at least once or twice a month. I saw them yesterday in Samsung. Oh, it's springtime. That's when they come. Spring season. Cover the whole city. Jeez. And, and they're good, man. How do you learn Korean like that? At my church. Huh? You know, <laughs> if you've heard of Shinjongji, that's one yes. of the Korean yeah. cult groups. I just learned and I found out they dress like Mormons. Black, you know, right. black and white clothes, simple and everything. And I just, anyway, um, I would sh- surely recommend anybody looking for a church, do your homework before you get trapped. There are so many cult groups here that have so many well, I'm nice used, programs for foreigners. I'm used to churches Be being careful. big buildings <laughs> that look like a church. But I understand right. even at home these days, they've taken a little bit different form or shape. Sure. But but here it's like every second and third story building, one of the rooms is a church. Well, I mean, that that goes back to the training. They've got a serious problem with all these pastors who have been trained to have their own church. And that church is supposed to support you and your family. That's not the reality. <laughs> in the U, it was the same t- same way in the United States. The fifties and sixties, everybody's growing up. The nineteen seventies hippie movement, everything changed. Mm-hmm. There are some churches that you know, we've got our mega churches and all this stuff. Joel, with Joel, yeah, 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 Joel. <laughs> I am not a big fan of mega. Is his picture up in all the little churches here? <laughs> I want to be like um, this guy. The, didn't he buy the Houston Superdome or something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Twenty <laughs> twenty six thousand people can attend services there. Was it after yeah. one the... time? And he closed the doors during the ty- the hurricane relief. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. Then, then I got one more for you. Build on, an ark. On, you, you were just talking about style and and what you know how you prefer or not. But I find from teaching and talking to kids and asking what they do in the weekend, so many of these kids just go to church with their mom. And it seems like at first, a lot of them get into the church because they had nothing to do. Dad wasn't around or dad wasn't interested. And they go to church with their mom. And when I went to church, it was an hour. In and out, go listen to some guy talk and get out of there. Go for donuts, coffee, brunch, whatever. So even if you didn't enjoy it, Sunday school was always fun. But once you got a little bit older and didn't go to Sunday school and you had to stay and listen, then it was a little bit less fun. And then once you got to... Sunday school is instead of... Instead of uh, for well, the little kids go for children to children, and once you do your first Sunday communion or whatever, then you can stay and listen to the to the sermons. Really, but <laughs> but yeah, and, and I mean, once you get into you know grade seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe you start drinking a little bit, hung over at church. I got five brothers and sisters. I mean, we used to have a blast. Well, it depends which denomination you go to. Yeah, <laughs> but but we used to always look forward to going to brunch or whatever right. with a family right. after. Um, but here, so many of the kids. I went to church. How was it? I played soccer and ping pong and ate pizza yeah. and and I'm like, wow! <laughs> I, I I would have went to church a lot more if I got to do those well, things. Well, it depends how things are organized for the kids. 
One of the things that happened, of course, the economic downturn, the after-school programs. Mm -hmm. Pizza pizza budget is gone. Churches are are trying to figure out how they can minister to the community. So they have retired teachers teaching free after-school programs in math or other things. And And lots of them have daycares. mm -hmm. There's there's Mm -hmm. all kinds. They're they're very multi-purpose buildings. Right. Right. I think growing up at home, it was a church and kind of like a community center where, you, you know, you could have the bazaar and yeah. all kinds of events. Yeah. But but here there's classrooms and there's coffee shops right. and there's there's well, all kinds the, of. The big thing now is the coffee shops, wondering what the next phase is going to be, because the the concept here is bigger, 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 bigger. And it's like that's not reality. Right. The, there is a downturn <laughs> in Christianity and but in religion in general. Right. Um, so we are going to, there are several churches that are closing now, and I feel sorry for the struggling, you know, the authentic little churches that, you that know. That get pushed out by the, yeah, by the big guys. Um, that's why I've always been grateful. I've been bivocational. I've relied on my, right. you know, teaching experience to uh, pay for the family. I mean, I, I've been paid as a pastor. The last church I was paid in, you know, I was in Dongu for about a year and a half. Yeah, nice. And, you know, the I was given a free reign, but we had a handful of people coming and the, the yeah. elders had to make the economic decision sure. and say, okay, we can't do it anymore. I think, but yeah, I think though, the, I mean, the kids going to Sunday school, if their parents are religious, I think uh, the idea of, of church or uh, the idea of church going back to the, we always talk about about our grandparents right. where when they were when they were going to church it wasn't about it wasn't about uh going in and preaching it was uh, like i said uh, a community community thing it was a social friends. event yeah, social yeah, event. yeah 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 always and coffee so, after in the back right right yeah. it was a very it was a, a good and and a, and a fun and important social event and you know you could look forward to that part of it and in in i don't know in Modern society today, I mean, where people are more isolated than ever, connected, mm-hmm. you know, connected only by by our phones. If uh, if the churches are providing a, a space for kids to interact face to face, I think right. that's probably a good probably a good thing for everyone. Well, that's usually this. They have the Saturday activity programs, and many of the the big churches, instead of having the regular Wednesday night service, they have what's called cell groups. And so you get about <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> you get, you get about in ten, ten families getting together, or you know, just a handful of people getting together for a more intimate group Bible study, or you know. And I know lots of the kids at my place; they go to church three, four days a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, after school or uh, youth group. But I mean, we we had youth group at church when I was young. Um, I was an altar boy. My my two brothers were altar boys, so we were quite involved. Um, and now, is this Catholic Church or yeah, Anglican? Catholic okay. Church. Yeah, because yeah. you know, um, it's always bothered me in Korea that Catholics and Protestants are so divided here. Oh, they are at home. My grandfather used to blame everything <laughs> on the Catholics, man. Right? Everything. Different neighborhoods do different but things. But nobody still but spilled he, the coffee. It was, oh, it's because you're not a Protestant. Oh, you're from the stew. Oh, that's because you're not a Protestant. I never heard any of that, but maybe it's because I only, or I predominantly hung out with Catholics. But here, I remember, you know, asking people and say, oh, are you Christian? No, I'm a Catholic. Right. Or yeah, yeah. I, I see your crucifix. Are you a Catholic? No, I'm a Christian. I said, Wow, how, yeah. how come you're so angry? <laughs> well, 
you but know, very, very distinct. Many Koreans look at me and go, oh, you're here ministering to the foreigners. No, I'm here ministering to anybody who needs support or encouragement. Right. Because I have worked with a lot of Koreans who are disillusioned or disappointed or who have been hurt by the church. And I remind them, look, it's not the relationship you have at church that's most important. It's the relationship you have with God through Christ. And if you can change that feeling or, or, or thinking, that will help you get through your difficult times. Because mm. I have been hurt in the church so much that I, I, I don't care anymore. Right. Um, church, yep, it's full of people who are hurting and whatever. Um, I have had the, you know, privilege to counsel different people. These days, um, since I've been here so long, I guess I'm a senior English pastor here. <laughs> I have people asking me advice from different churches. I have Korean pastors sure. asking for advice. And same as us. I mean, we, it, we know a lot of people in the community. And yeah. if someone needs, we say, well, sure. you or Connette or somebody else who right. can offer support or services, sure. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's um, it. It watching the I guess it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You know that was the big rise, uh, rise, and now we're just decline yeah. and settling down. So you you talked about the the decline of the Christianity or, or religion in general. You have three kids. How I mean, in this day and age, I, I know Daniel quite a bit. Your daughter and and Niall, I don't know as well mm -hmm. Niall is just always on your side <laughs> but, um, how do they how do you approach that with them or do they see it the same way you do or do you do you guide them or do you I, force it or do you, you know, encourage it or right I that's a good question because you know I being trained as a pastor seeing so many pastors kids I did not want my children to be labeled a PK or an MK Missionary kid. <laughs> I've never heard of those. Well, I'm used to yeah. penalty kill. <laughs> um, because there, there are MK, MK is my wife's handbag, isn't that? Michael Kors? <laughs> um, people, pastors can push their kids, and then as soon as their kids get out of the house, that's it. They've had a sure. rough run. Sure. So it's always been my policy. Yes, I take my children to Sunday school, and we do everything but i've never pushed them and you know my oldest son he's he goes to church and he's been going to his own church for several years the church of uh, kicking ass what, what, what in boxing what, yeah. what, what do you mean his own church <laughs> i had my own church when i moved here and it was called tombstone and they served really cold beer instead of wine well, he, he, <laughs> what do you mean his own church well, he he doesn't go to church with me you oh, know, he's yeah. found his youth group and he, you know, how do you how do you find a youth group like that? Facebook, uh, friends at school. And how do you know it's not a culty? Because the first thing I do is give me the bulletin. Let me see what church this is, and let me call the past. No, mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty strict on making if it's a. But that's what I mean. Like, mainline, hey, mom, I found a new group. <laughs> it's a mainline church. I have no problem. I've known. I know where he's going. My daughter is quite private. She is introvert. She. She went to Sunday school as a child, but as she's grown, she doesn't. She studies on Sunday. She reads books, studies, and does her thing. And I don't push her. 
we occasionally, you know, talk about God and church and stuff. But to me, church is not the big, if you don't go to church, wow, you know, it's your relationship with God. Sure. A, and that's a personal thing. There's a, it's funny you say that, just uh, last week in one of my classes, one of the, uh, one of my students who is very, uh, very openly, openly Christian and, and all of her stories revert back to, oh, when I was in, you know, when I was reading the Bible or, or something, but I was so shocked for how many times she's referenced um, the church and whatnot that she doesn't go to church. And she said, it's just, it's not about going to church. It's about my relationship. Just what you said. And I went, whoa, that was, I never thought about that. I thought well, that they were. There, there's two, there's, like, there's several views on it. Church can be a building. Church can be a building where lots of people meet. Church is a, the relationship you have. I have friends from all different denominations. Even though I was trained at a Baptist seminary, Southern Baptist seminary, I, no long I was baptized Catholic, raised congregational, and just forget it. I'm non-denominational, right. yeah. you know. And um, and that's more suitable for the, these days. And because of my background in training, I think it's really helped me here because I can relate to somebody who's Methodist because I, right. you know, studied the history, know what's going on. Multidimensional. And, yeah. And, and I, I knew when I moved to West Africa and... You know, I think mom asked me if I went to church, and I said, well, they don't, there, there wasn't an English church where I was. And I said, well, why would I go and listen to something I completely don't understand? Yeah. And the same thing in Korea. When I came, there was no English services. And and so that, in that way, I can see, I've kind of grown away from it, but I can see how, yeah, it might be just, you know, your personal relationship outside of the church. It doesn't have to be that you're going each week. So mm-hmm. circumstances don't always allow that. Well, these, these days, my youngest son, he's into baseball, and this is, hey, He's going to be living his own life in a few more years. It's the last chance I have as a father to spend time with my kids. And I really believe that, you know, the the first church in your life is your family. So you need to take care of the family first. Um, so there are some Sundays where I say, sorry, I'm going to be at my kid's baseball game mm, yeah. and see you next week. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that shouldn't... That shouldn't uh lower your ranking at all in the in the, in the standings uh no because yeah. i actually i get called to visit other churches i get called to preach or get oh. called to you know teach other classes so nice. i'm <clears throat> apparently feeling my age yeah. which, which i mentally is really young but apparently I'm <laughs> older somehow well we know a few <laughs> a few years ago on uh, on your 50th i believe you mentioned uh I think one year during the poker run that you went that was to, just last year, no? That wasn't last. Year. Oh yeah, I no. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you said you said in two years. No, yeah. the uh, w- wasn't there something with India? Did you? Yeah, yeah, you, no. Uh, you were preaching. Uh, well, preaching India. Why don't you tell us about that? What happened was I met this uh, very enthusiastic Indian pastor, who actually came down to Ulsan. He was meeting some another foreign pastor, but the the foreign pastor didn't care for him that much or didn't treat him nicely or he wasn't didn't, South African how did he get here stranger. from India God brought him I guarantee you because <laughs> this guy has no money I'm still friends with him well listen I remember when you posted it online the first few times that what the heck is this the guy's in Korea he can't get to America until we and somehow he got a 10-year visa to America and he's got <laughs> no money so God works well, I remember in you bud 
you know, passport office. I have seen so many miracles with this. But anyway, <laughs> going, going back to the India thing, two months before I met this uh, Simon Peter, I was thinking to myself, okay, these are the countries I'm never going to. Don't want to. Don't want to go to India because I really don't want to go see poor people. I know what they are. Feel bad, and I'm very empathetic. So no, thank you. Two months later, I meet this guy, and hear the story, and then all of a sudden, you know, within after meeting him a month or so later, he invites me to India, <laughs> and I'm looking at this invitation. <laughs> Rich going, American pastor. What? Well, that's it. That's what he thought, and it's like sure. no, he got it really misunderstood. So I thought. Why not go to India? It's my 50th birthday. Why not do something really crazy? Why? And I just, you know, felt like, go to India. So I told my wife, I'm going to India. And she goes, goodbye. <laughs> and it was absolutely incredible. I was treated like royalty. The country, I mean, yeah, I, I was, was there for five or six months. But the country, the culture, or or the actual church and the, that kind of stuff, um, or, or all getting, of it. Getting into New Delhi, New Delhi Airport and take, going to the hotel, that was a little scary with all the military <laughs> around and the, the taxi drivers, you know, the, the different prices they have for taxis. And if you don't study money well and negotiating well. Uh, you're going to get screwed out of a lot of money for sure. But that's in a lot of um, a lot of countries, right? I mean, yeah, a lot of Southeast this, Asia. This, well, I, I haven't been to many. I've been to Japan and China and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean that that stuff's but, par for the course. But I just wonder if if the religious experience or the Simon Peter experience, or um, because India is the most amazing country I've ever been to. Yeah, I can, absolutely. It From was, one end of the spectrum to the other, right? you have all aspects of yeah. society and life. All it's together, absolutely right incredible. <laughs> So, so in that way, I understand it's amazing. Well, but. When, when I was visiting, you know, they, they, they changed the Christmas celebration to my birthday. So they moved <laughs> Jesus's birthday to mine, which is the 29th of December. So I was preaching on that day. And what was amazing to me is people would come up to me wanting me to bless them. And I haven't, you know, I didn't, be, having a Protestant background, in Catholic Church, you blessings happen all the time. The priest will bless you and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I'm not so familiar, but these people looking me with their eyes and just wanting, you know, a hand to hold or something. And it was really an amazing feeling and just very humbling experience. Jesus number two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of, it was weird. Now, one thing... <laughs> I'll tell you, it was weird. But one thing that was really funny... I, I was this, I was taken to many different small churches and these are this is either a concrete church with no windows <laughs> or a church a wooden it was like visiting the three pigs yeah. you got a church made of straw you got a church made of sticks and you got a church made of bricks then this and what's his name salt peter Simon Peter <laughs> Simon Peter <laughs> he's he's bringing you around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's bringing and he's very proud very pleased you know and these pastors are traveling from many different places to come see me and hear the message that I have. And um, and I didn't, I, I mean, it's so quick. I thought Korea moved quickly. No, India moves faster. And it, it took me, you know, we got to go do this. And I'm going, I'm not ready to. Jeez. Okay. Well, glad. Jesus, I it's time. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. They're it. waiting for that's you. That's it. Get the miracle going. <laughs> but I went to this one church 
And after the service, everybody's leaving. And of course, I'm, I'm one of the last people out. I come out and I look at all the shoes. And I was wearing thong, slippers at the time, flip-flops. I hope you won't remember. <laughs> I thong. Thong. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I go and TJ. look and where are my shoes? Somebody stole my shoes. And they weren't, they weren't shoes. They were, you know, just flip-flops. flip-flops. And I'm going... But those are the expensive American flip-flops. No, they weren't. Uh, but they, they left their flip-flops with the broken strap. Uh, and I'm just going, I can't believe this. How fu- I thought it was funny. Now, they they went and chased the guy down because um, he, he, <laughs> he took the shoes and ran. Um, but I went to the department. I, I didn't get him back till later. I went to the department store and I went and I bought him new shoes. Mm. And I said, please give this to the guy who stole my shoes. Tell him I'm, I accept his apology and please, you know, accept this gift. And, you know, the, just, my whole experience thinking, oh, I'm going to feel bad about seeing all these poor people. No, I have never seen so many smiles on people's faces when they had s- so little. So little. Yeah. Well, you said that about Africa too, right? Yep. You know, um, the busted, busted soccer ball. Humbling. Makes you appreciate well, what you have. Well, they, you know, I was greeted with flower lays and, you know, shawls and really treated royally. Um, I would expect nothing less for the second would you, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait till I go there again. I was going to say, yeah. would, you, would you go back? Um, if I had enough money to build the church, yes. Unfortunately, the, the difficult thing is there are churches there. But the Hindu government tries to discourage. And, you know, a lot of, sadly, it's built into raising money. They, they collect money and then they spread it out amongst people and they don't do what they say they're going to do with the money. Mm. And it's disappointing. Mm. Um, it, I learned a lot of things. I learned a lot of good things and some sad truths. So I'm very sure. careful what I do with money and who I you know who I ask for and yep. That's uh, why I say traveling is the best education, man. It really opens you up and you, you gain different perspectives and you think in different ways and well, you can really appreciate a lot more once you once you get out there and you learn and you travel yeah. and see. Well, from Korea, I've been to Japan a couple times on mission trips and I've been to China on mission trips. Yep. So the church, a couple the, underground and a couple above ground. <laughs> <laughs> Had some exciting times. So the church, the church will send you in as I, as a member there. Um, different, different. Well, different times. The church I was in. They okay. We're going to go to China. We went to, um, uh, Bektusan. Yeah, yeah, the other side. And of the um, traveling there through the Korean part of China. Right. Now, the Korean part of China, there's there's more autonomy. And at the time, in 2007, the, there were we visited five churches. One church had been closed because the local politics or police or whatnot. But it was hilarious because everybody who went to that church was meeting in an apartment two blocks away. And I mean everybody, 30 people stuck in a small, uh, you know. Huh. Um, China scares the hell out of me, man. It I does think if now. I go if I go there, man, 
I'm going to look at someone the wrong way. Or I don't know what, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to pay my parking meter I, and someone's going to beat me. <laughs> I, I loved it there. I, same thing. Like the, the, the biggest thing I was surprised at when I went to China the first time was how diverse it was. You, you think like, I, you know, same thing growing up thinking that it was very controlled and, and, and it is in some regards, but you can only control 1.2 billion people so much. I mean, there's, I, it, I thought, I remember the first time in 2005, I think, uh, I went with my buddy Paul and I thought if you dropped me off by helicopter in the middle of China or the middle of Korea, mm-hmm. you would think Korea was more communist than China. <laughs> because it's, everybody looked exactly the same here. There right, was very, right. very strict rules here for mm-hmm. school students and haircuts right. and yeah, yeah. and no makeup. And it was very, very strict. And in uh, China... Which part of China were you in, though? It's no, really I'm, I'm, I mean... But I mean, and I've been in Beijing, Shanghai, Jianan, Guangzhou. I've been all over. Mm. But big people, tall people, short, yeah. fat, long hair, just different groups. But in Korea, it was kind of like everybody was still cookie cutter. Yeah. And all the all the students looked this way. All of the you know the factory workers looked this way. All of the young women looked this sure, kind of way. Sure. And now there's so many subcultures. And now right. it's cool. It's more like Japan now, where. That's what when I first came, going to Japan reminded me of Canada because there were so many underground subcultures of, you know, the goths and the the anime and all, all these different things. But Korea was so, so right, right, you know, monoculture. And that's amazing about BTS, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and China was to me was much more diverse in those ways. Well, Government my- stuff was controlled, but the actual people seemed more in diverse. In 2000, yeah. Well, I went in 2000 to China the first time to celebrate the Lunar New Year. My friend and I, we were on a Korean tour group. And oh. we're in this hotel. And <laughs> the guy, everybody said, okay, it's 9 o'clock, time to go to bed. I said, no, we are in China. You are taking us somewhere else. So we climbed on top of the hotel roof to look around. And we went and asked, where are the fireworks? They said, oh, no, no, no fireworks, no fireworks. I said, this is China. You invented them. It's Lunar New Year. Where are the, We can smell them. Where are There's 24 hours of fireworks smell. They said, no, no, no. She was trying to say that they were. I'm Asian. Jesus. Where's the fireworks? I turned, I, turned, I turned black pepper into fireworks. Okay. But no, I w- went to Tiananmen Square, and there's Mao Zedong, yeah. and across the square, McDonald's. And I said, exactly, yeah. this is a communist country? Yeah, I exactly. don't think so. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you got a few kids, high Three, school, middle yeah. school. Elementary. Elementary. What, uh, what are some of the challenges, concerns? Uh, You've, your kids are paving the paving the, the road for, for our kids. And so we got to make sure you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. There we go. Well, actually, you know, we talked about my son Daniel for boxing. Yeah, yeah. He got into boxing because about when he was third grade elementary school, that was the first time that he felt any prejudice against him. Yeah. And it was, you know, the, he came home... And this kids at school said, Mikuk Seki Naraga, you know, you American puppy, go home. Oh. <laughs> Not puppy, but, you know, it was yeah. na- you know, and just, nasty. And just for, for the people that don't know and- Daniel's my size. <laughs> he's not a small guy. He's got to be one anymore. of the biggest guys in the school. He's for those weird. of you that don't know Nate's size, he's, <laughs> he's built, built like a, what do we call it? Like a chopstick. <laughs> like a chopstick. <laughs> so... 
Daniel, when he was old enough, said, I want to go into boxing. You know, I said, okay, yeah, that's fine. But then later when he got into it, he goes, I asked, how do you like boxing? What are you doing? Why do you, what are you doing boxing for? In, in my body, I felt, yeah, I like boxing and everything, but I don't want to fight and all that mm. stuff. Um, he said, I don't want people bothering me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. <clears throat> and I felt frustrated that there's not a lot I can do, but I felt good that, okay, he's enjoying it. He, He's a sportsaholic like his mother. Doesn't get that from me. Um, but he was getting into boxing and it was helping him form, you know, his character, his thoughts, you know. And How long has he been boxing stress. for? Um, let's see. I guess he's been boxing for four or five years. And, and just and recently you posted there that he won the heavyweight championship belt. Um, in 2016, that was his first time he won uh, his division. I guess that was heavyweight too. And then this year, <laughs> hold on, what does middle school heavyweight mean? Like in Korea, that must be like 50 kilos. Uh, well, no, he's. Uh-oh. I hope he doesn't hear that now. He was over 90 kilos. Really? But his, awesome. But his first fight, he had to fight somebody who was much bigger than he was. Yeah. And I just thought, whoa, this isn't cool. But anyway, well, ask Bri. We were doing Muay Thai for a while there, and he was a little bit more serious than me. But I always wanted to fight, and I trained because I wanted to fight in Korea. There's no opponents, and, and every time, like Bri had a couple of fights, like sanctioned events and stuff, and uh, the master would say, "Nate, are you going to fight?" I said, "Yeah, okay, I, I want to fight this time," and he'd sign me up, and I would be super heavy. And the next closest guy was like heavyweight was 95 kilos, and right. I was like 95 isn't heavyweight that's when i pressed and i'm super super heavy and he's like sorry there's no competition for you congratulations and, you've won <laughs> but i, I remember Hands trying down. like four or five times and he just said i don't think there's anybody you can fight and i said but doesn't anybody want to fight me like wouldn't a 90 or 100 kilo guy want to say oh maybe i can beat a challenge or beat him or but yeah it was always so i always wondered the weight classes are about 20 kilos less than what they are at home, probably. Right, right. I like, uh, I really admire Daniel for, for getting into boxing and not, uh, you know, a good, uh, I, I, I had the thought, you know, if he was in the States and someone was bullying him, that maybe a gun or, a, or something might be, it might be an option for <laughs> My kids or, always ask me, when are we going to, can we move to America? And I'm going, are you kidding me? <laughs> Every September, Korean kids pull out plastic BB guns mm. and play for a week and a half. Everybody's shooting each other. Then it's over and very few people are hurt. Yeah. I don't want you going to a school with guns, yeah. real ones. No. But that's, uh, like you said, it's a good way um, for him to, I mean, like you said, build, well, build character. Nothing will, nothing will uh, test your, your mental ability right, or right. Than but going through a hard workout, or he 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 got into boxing. He's doing well, and he built his confidence up. So yeah. nobody bothers him. He yeah. goes anywhere, and and I think too, the yeah. more the, personally, the the more I trained, the more I thought, like uh, kind of the more you know, the 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 more scared I was because I knew there was much more that I didn't right, know. Right. And our the um, our trainer was what, what do you weigh like? 18 kilos. God, he was the but size. Bri of used to laugh because he used to dummy me with knees and elbows. And <laughs> yeah. I was three times his size, and he would just take it, and we'd be sparring, and he'd take it, take it. I, I think I could, I could hurt him. I could hit him right. with some power, 
But man, whenever he wanted, he'd jump up and he could clip me with a knee in the chin in, in a millisecond. But I'd even even yeah. crazier, dead. even crazier than that. When I was in training in Thailand, there was like seventeen year old kids that were forty five kilos that would drop anybody, wow. anyone. They like if you, I always imagine. I thought it'd be a funny uh, a funny reality show to to pick one of these kids up and throw them in a bar at right. home <laughs> and just tell them to go, you know, ninja, go to, ninja style. Yeah. And then you just, oh, it, it was, was it? unbelievable to see the, to see the, the, the skill, the agility, the, skill, the, the spirit, everything, in, everything of these kids, man. They were, but when you're in Thailand, you, they put you in the ring at five, six years old yeah. at some of the bars there. You, right. Those guys are yeah. like spectacles and they know the full, but they, they say, can, they were saying at like, you know, at 17, he's, he'll peak, they said the the ties peak at twenty one or twenty two right. years old, whereas the the Caucasians, the the Western guys, will peak at twenty seven. Right. So they're, I mean, in seventeen, they're just ramping up for their. They're retiring. For yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're out of the game. But they're. Uh, well, it was un, you know, unreal. Seventeen years old, a hundred and hundred and five. I, I swear to God, there was one kid. He was half half German, half Thai, and we're running together. He's like Brian, how many fights you have? I've had one. What about you? He was 110. I win 105. I'm like, jeez, Louise. <laughs> Dude, the kid who's he was 14 years old. Wow. He's had 110 fights. But well, you, uh, you know, my youngest son, Niles, is, you know, this last January, it was really great because my Daniel, uh, he works a part-time job. He saved his money. And he said, I'm going to take Niles to the boxing gym. And I cool. Great. Two brothers going in. So I just let him have it. I completely let Daniel take care of his little brother and stuff. And they had a real good bonding time. Niles wants to do boxing some more. And his friends at school know that his brother's a boxer. So, you know, he's, he's suffered his own discrimination or difficulties and stuff. Um, so he, he likes, he wants to do boxing in the summer vacation and stuff. But I asked my daughter, because my daughter's very quiet and everything. And one, you know, she's in middle school. And I, you know, couple, what last year, the Me Too movement and everything. And we sat down and I said, the boys bother you at school or anything? And my daughter just looked at me and said, no, I'm taller than they are. And that was it. Just I thought she was going to say, no, they know Daniel's a boxer, the heavyweight champ. That was number two. <laughs> she just goes, no, I'm taller. I'm fine. And, you know, she's gone through and she does her thing, doesn't worry about anybody else's opinion. And, you know. That's, uh, that's good, man. It is. I think it's a part that a lot of expat parents don't look forward to. Um, and it's a tough situation to navigate how to deal with those situations, how your kids are going to react to those situations. Sure, but sure. And from, I mean, what we read, what we read online, a lot of, a lot of dads are, are so worried that they would, you know, uh, before it happens, they want to pull their kids out. They're, they're worried that it might damage their, um, you know, their, their self-worth or their, their, their personal, their image of themselves. But I, I don't know. I kind I of think, think that, throw them, that throw them comes into the from fire. home. It, yeah, it, it really builds thick. It home. builds the thick skin. I think even if you go home, you're going to face that adversity at home Absolutely. for being a half, a I half and me. half, or the only Asian kid in the white yeah. suburb, or you're going to face a different kind of adversity Everybody at home. Has their own problems. You're not immune to it. Yep. And well, if you, you got if you got teased for being chubby, or I had a beard when I was 13. I mean, you get teased for one thing or another. Right. I mean, right. 
And, and in Korea, it might be because we're bigger, but he gets teased for being bald and and yep. and or a I, tattoo. I shave, and I shave a, my head. I'm not bald, <laughs> right? Or a tattoo and being a gangster. I mean, you, you face it for many different yeah, yeah. ways and reasons. So, but don't. I mean, the I don't know. I I, I want to. I like being. Uh, you know, being uh, big or, or maturing early with a with a beard or whatnot. Don't you think race is a little a little deeper than a little deeper than that? And it can affect a kid. It's not like oh, your hair is falling out. Wow, I mean, it happens to lots of people. But you're a, you're a you're a half kid, and in a society that that preaches fo- how ridiculous it is that full, full we're full blooded Korean or we're pure blood Koreans. You know that. I wonder if that affects. Well, them. I've always used the term hybrid. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I do too. Yeah. You know. I had a student uh, ask me one time, flat out in a class of 50 at the college, like, teacher, is your kid a half-blood? I'm like, I'm like, what? What do you mean a half-blood or, or a mixed-blood? I was like, no, dude, he's and I said the same he's thing. He's not a muggle, he's a, no. He's a, <laughs> but he's so I think those, hybrid, are, those yeah. are the teaching points, right? And, right. and how, yeah, yeah. how you react is how your kids will react and how Absolutely. you use those learning points is yeah. is very important. And that can change the direction of their life. I mean... Yeah. But I, I, I like the opportunity that they have here to be a minority, to be the different, the outcast right, right. For, for more than one reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a lot of reasons, then maybe that could build up a lot of pressure. But well, the, Right now, the hardest part is watching my youngest son go through puberty, you right. know, the Sachungi time. Yeah. Um, and wait till you guys get there. It's yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, then there'll be mommy's girls. Um, <laughs> Daddy's <laughs> girls for now. Yeah. There'll be mommy's then. You're going to work overseas for a while, yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I try and let my, well, at least my older daughter, to embrace that uniqueness that you're lucky that you can speak to. They, their mom and dad speak the same language, so they don't know. But your dad can speak Korean and English, and mom can speak Korean and English. And she wants to learn French. She says, Daddy, teach me French. Teach me French. I said, see, these things make you unique and different, and you're see, lucky. We need a French club because my daughter wants to learn French. She's teaching herself French. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. So. And, you know, they get to go to Canada, but... But her friends get to go to Japan or China, or, and we get to go to Canada for a long time, for three or four weeks, and we have cousins there, and we get to play, and we have stories and, and relations in Canada. So I try and help and, and teach them to embrace that uniqueness, yeah, yeah. that it's a good thing, and it really helps that Korea is globalizing quickly um, because, I mean, your kids are 10, 12 years older than mine. It would have been a lot more difficult mm. that yes, many years yes, ago. So yes. I'm glad the situation now has changed and evolved a little bit where – I, I think it's a lot easier thanks to you guys and, and you know, Kenny and the other guys who have older kids right. because it's really paved the way and made it easier for, for ours. But I think what's uh, another important thing that me and uh, me and my wife discussed is to to show the kids that, you know, often I think when they're in uh, when they're in school, that's their community or that's where they go every day. And they probably think that that life isn't. You know, maybe there's no life outside of that. Maybe home life and school life is is it. But if you're going home, if you're showing them the the world or or exposing them to, you know, to to things outside of outside of their school life, then I think that can keep, you know, keep their minds open and hopefully give right, them a, right. give them an out if they are feeling if they are feeling a little alienated or or not a not a pure blood. Well, my you know. my daughter, she's always she watches. You know, she has a variety of tastes in music. Um, she does K-pop dancing and stuff, um, but she likes international music. She watches Chinese drama. She watches yeah. Korean stuff. Now, um, my youngest son, he um, he 
watches Western shows, Western yeah. programs. Okay, so okay. he's been influenced a lot by, you know, old Western TV. And so I have to keep reminding him mm. and watch carefully because, you know, he'll say things that his classmates totally over their head. They yeah. have no connection <laughs> to. And I have to remind them, it's okay. You know things different from what they know. Mm. And let's try to find, you know, Places where you can connect. <laughs> Did you see Fresh Prince last night? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's full House is the big thing now. At least, you know, Stacy and her kids watch Full House, too. Really? Highly recommend. Yeah. It's what, full old, house. old Full House? Full House and Fuller House. Well, Fuller House? Yeah. Isn't Laurie Lachlan there on the uh, on the hot seat for, <laughs> right. for the bribery? The uh, I, th- I think another She's one. She's a cougar. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> I never. Dude, she hasn't changed from the, from the, uh, the original airing till now. Uh, not changing. Oh. I saw I saw a, th- a special on Jennifer Aniston the other day, and I wow, or or Jennifer Lopez maybe both of them, J Lo and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, they they haven't changed a bit. Anyways, back to the other one. I also think it's important to have uh, groups and and activities and get them involved. Like boxing, I mean, you feel a sense of camaraderie or brotherhood with those guys. And for my daughter at hockey or. Being part of different things, not just having house, school, house, school, house, school. Right, to right. be involved in the community and doing different things, I think, is really important for them to to feel, you know, a part of Korea, a part of this. And I, I was going to ask you, how do your kids, uh, do they associate more with being Korean or American? Or are they are they equally as proud or like, <coughs> you know, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> Stacy and we had Stacy on right. a, a few times ago and. You know, she said around her friends, she will always speak Korean to mom because, you know, she doesn't want to attract attention. When I, <coughs> excuse me, when I go to the playground at the Grand Park and there's so many kids, if I'm yelling in English or not yelling, but if I'm calling Gina in English, Gina, come here. The whole park freezes and watches me. Right. But if I say it in Korean, nobody notices. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just easier for me to fit in, to not announce to everybody I'm big enough already. I, I don't need extra eyes in the whole park paying attention. I, I'm proud of both, but and and I want her to be as well. But how do your kids kind of associate with either or or both? Or well, uh, I guess the boys are more similar to uh, American. You know, every American. They, I want to be American. I am American. I'm going. Well, no, I'm <laughs> Korean too. Okay, let's. You know, they get up and pledge you allegiance you know, in the flag. Um, actually, Daniel did that in his first grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I homeschooled him first for the uh, first six months. Oh, cool. So. But um, have no. they been, have they been home to the states much? Or? Uh, twice. Twice. Um, it'd be great if they could go more, but plane. You know. sure. got to sell a kidney to get. Yeah, five no kidneys. Uh, for our size of a family to go, you yeah. know, I got to lay out ten grand. Sure, at least. Uh, yeah. You know, um, but eh, at least they got they did get to see their grandparents and everything, sure. and so that was really good. Nice. Um, but. My daughter, I think, is more international. Yeah. I'm really impressed in watching her grow and develop and everything because she just she reads books from all different countries that have been translated into Korean, and nice. she's just she's she's doing her own thing and doesn't worry too much about social pressure. Um, Daniel, you know, he's living in the dormitories now yeah. at his high school yeah. he he always seemed hey, the last three or four years he seemed very independent and, and oh, he is extremely he knew what he wanted he you know and working the part-time job at the restaurant he, he fit is, in in many different and circles i am and, so grateful that he was given the opportunity to be able to work this part-time job mm. because i think you know we've 
coming from where we come from, we learn to work jobs sure. early. Sure. If we want, if we want that young don, you know, you're spending money. You go out and get it. Yeah. And so I've told my children. Then he hey, can play, pay for his ticket you know? to be American. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he he has been, you know he mixes his you know he works, but the one month he used all his money. He said, "Hey, sis, let's go shopping." He went and bought his sister new clothes with wow. all wow. his money. Good for him. And awesome. I just thought. What an awesome brother. Yeah. And, you know, later on when my daughter, you know, it, it, I'm very proud of my kids. Yeah. They they have done great things. And um, now my daughter's going, I don't want to go to high school. I don't want to go to high school. She's middle school three now? She, middle school three. But that's no. at home too, right? Um, I mean, I remember going to high school and going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, but we didn't have tests and crap like that. Right, mm. right. You know, but the, I, I, I just mean it's an adjustment regardless of where you are. It's I've, I've always told my kids, look. You want to get out of high school? You pass the American what high school test. There's equivalency. GED. Exam. I did that. I got out, went on to college. It worked well for me. Right. So my kids know, look, you do that, I'll support you. Mm. You know, with Daniel and his choice of school, he he every my Korean friends are so surprised because he went to um, a regular school General close high to school our house. First. Right. But he had applied to this special art school. And a year later, some magical appearance, his teacher says, hey, do you want to change high schools? Was Peter Simon here? Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he moved to his new high school. And he's, you know, he all these fantasies he had about American high school and prom and being leader and all this stuff. He's doing this in his Korean awesome. yeah. school. That's good. By That's good. himself. Yeah. Would, back to oh, sorry. Back to uh, sorry. The the part time jobs there. Would yeah. you Are you going to recommend your daughter and, and youngest son do it as well? Because I know the like you said to hear a lot of the Korean parents. It's your job is is only studying. Um, I think there's there's a lot of a lot of skills to. Be I learned have from. to tell my daughter to yeah. stop studying. She <laughs> forced her to just, work. <laughs> take a break, kid. It's okay, yeah. you know. Breathe. Yeah. This is you know, and I'd remind her, don't worry about the tests. Yeah. Everybody who's been to school, yeah. we don't remember our tests. We don't care. You know, it's what you are doing. If you have a hobby and the, and the process, the adventure of, you know? of getting to the yeah. to so. The I right now she studies and is doing you know following along yeah. so hey go for it if you don't work Good. that's fine um my youngest son he's he's got to get through puberty first yeah. it's, <laughs> it, he's the third kid sure and some things he's got it real easy some things it's harder cuz yeah. you know he's always looking up to his brother and big shoes you know, to fill big gloves yeah, to fill and yeah. i'm i'm reminding him Yep, your brother did that, and you can do this, and you can do other things. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so looking forward, I mean, for you and, and for the kids, I mean, it's something I always think about. Uh, do you anticipate them? He's in high school now. Daughter's going to be in high school soon. Do you anticipate them going to university here? Because as we know, it's super hyper-competitive to get in. Not that we buy into that system. We send our kids wherever. But... Uh, I, I don't know anyone yet who sent their kids to university here. Right, right. Um, I kind of sometimes think that my daughters might choose to stay in Canada or just I might push them and encourage them to study abroad in Europe or somewhere. Yep. I just don't like the hyper-competitiveness of here and the ongoing, you know, study 
style of the well, high schools? You know, uh, many European universities have free education for right. foreigners right. as well. And I'm, you know, we don't make money here as English teachers. You know? <laughs> not like it used to be. Every, yeah, definitely not like it used to be. And to raise three kids. So any way I can find out to get support. So if my kids can well, well, I know, think get we're, scholarships, we're or, moving away from the from the traditional four year degree, anyways. Well, I think no, by the time by recently, the time yeah. Yeah, by the no, time Niles is these is going these things it. recently, you know, Daniel is so I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going. You do it. Remember, you're responsible and choose carefully, think carefully. Right. Um, my wife might have different, you know, plans for them to go to university and whatnot. <laughs> Seoul, um, Yonsei, Korea. <laughs> but I want. I want them to have a happy life. I want them to be able to pay their own way. If they get a job, if they if my son goes to a trade school, great, do it. Right. Because you're always going to need a plumber. You're always going to need a welder. You're always going to need these things. Um, I don't recommend teaching. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, uh, pe- people ask me, are you going to go back to the States? And I'm going... What do I, what can I go to? I have been here 20 years. People, when are you going to retire? You know, where, how are you going to retire? Where are you going to, I'm, that's a, that's a good question. Of where my kids are is where I'd like to retire. Now, if my kids are, hey, Daniel, remember all that wisdom I imparted on you? (laughs) I'm I'm moving in. (laughs) Move over. Uh, yeah, my daughter, she's she's up for me, but no, Niles, he, he's he's going to be the money maker. We've, but this is this that. is a big predicament many people will have to face. I yeah. mean, how we have a few friends that are getting older now, and and I wonder. I mean, I'm not that far behind, probably you know, ten, fifteen, we twenty years. A, but what is the what is the future of the fifty-five, sixty-five-year-old English teacher in Korea without without a? I mean, no, I don't know anyone who has a. A reliable pension here right, that you could right. survive on for thirty years. I know a so couple people that. What? What? <laughs> if what you do you stayed think? Stayed at university for a long time. You've got a pension. <laughs> what do you think is in store for the future for you? And I mean, not going back to the states, but I don't think you're going to be playing paduka in the park either and drinking makgeolli. Well, who's going to take care of Mark? Then? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mark's always told me he's going to do. Somebody's got to be there with him. <laughs> um. No, I've actually, I don't want to say it now. Somebody might steal my idea. No, oh. creating a retirement center for foreigners, I think, is the next step. Yeah. It needs to be something. I mean, I've imagined, I don't want to, you know, I love Korea and all the things in it, but I don't want to be stuck in a hospital where they're going to give me kimchi every day. I, not that I don't <laughs> like kimchi, <laughs> but, you know, I would like to be in a, if More I end up. Yeah, flexibility. And it depends, you know. Where do you think something like that would would be uh, feasible? Up in the mountains, quiet, away from the city. <laughs> Person, I'm thinking, where, I don't golf. What can I do? No. Um, that's coming along in my plans now. Right now. I just, I just think like a lot of people living in the metropolitan areas, just like my in-laws, they live in the country. I could never see them moving into the city because even right. even if they were going to die tomorrow or they could live 10 more years in the city, I think they'd prefer to die tomorrow because they're they're in their element. Sure, sure. I can't imagine guys in Seoul and Gyeonggi being around all that hustle and bustle for so long. And, you know, even if there was a great place going, 
it, it would be so strange well, to it's one of the reasons why i like ulsan and uh, where i'm living is yeah. because geez within 20 minutes from where i am i can get out and be away from most of everything right well we i went 10 minutes I went, yeah. I went camping last saturday and from like i said we usually drive about two hours up uh, up the east coast but we booked a place from here to like mid mountain nice camping place was 15 minutes from my door yeah that's ah, maybe 20 yeah yeah but it was uh it was pretty cool man Anyways, I killed that conversation. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's an interesting, an interesting project, yeah. and I think, but it would probably depend definitely on, I mean, you know, the, the economics of it, well, see, and you know, s- several years ago, I was on a city, um, foreigners committee, and, you know, one of the things uh, us English teachers we we talk about, and the the city does try to include us and they include english as the international language but you know the the foreigners <laughs> that live here you know we have to realize you know that the largest percent is chinese then you've got vietnamese sure. then you've got filipino so, so sure. we are we are a little minority group here real very very group. minority <laughs> that's why i wonder when when you say that that's why i wonder the target is i mean gyeonggi has most well, of the foreign population yeah or, it, or seoul well is it an internet you know Something international is that you know, uh, lots of foreigners are here. That's something that needs to be thought about. Sure. Um, yeah, the the country will have to address it eventually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Either either the nurses and the the care home the home they're right. going to have to develop their skills and learn other languages or, or I mean a lot of the Southeast Asians do speak Korean well. So that's why I think we're in a pretty unique position, and I that's why I'm always curious what. Western well, foreigners are going to do here in their 60s and 70s. And, you know, that I'm, I'm grateful that I work. Um, I get calls occasionally from City Hall and asking my opinion and stuff. And I've been grateful to be a part of some of the planning for the foreign community in Ulsan. Um, I hope later this year I expect to be a little more involved in that because I work. Uh, I write for the Ulsan Global newspaper. Mm. I wrote for five years and then things changed and uh, stopped for a little bit. But I was invited back for my opinion and experience to contribute again to uh, that part of the communicating to the community and. But but again, that that's my 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 problem here is we are the m- smallest of the smallest minorities here. There are so many other groups that have much bigger contingencies than we do. Not only in Ulsan, the whole country. But sometimes these these other groups they are discriminated against, and because of the position we're in, we are not so much discrimination absolutely we have a platform we can offer them a voice to speak but you don't want kimchi for all your retirement days they also don't want hamburgers and fries well sure so that but that's what i mean how do you balance okay this care home now has you know 50 chinese 30 indonesians 20 filipinos and two americans and one canadian What's on the menu tonight, boys? <laughs> Craft <Right>. dinner. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like it just it. That's why that part of it doesn't seem feasible to me, unless you got every foreigner who was over sixty in Korea to come to one place. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, that that's why the question is so intriguing to me. That I, I'm waiting to uh, see it, what guys are doing. Everyone I know idea, has yeah. disappeared. An, right. That's but, that's my experience right now. Is so many of my friends, you know, 
the only connection we have is through Facebook now. Mm. You know, we right. communicate and everything, but you well, know, why why rely on the government, man? Do let's do it ourselves. But this, I mean, <laughs> no, 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 Brian and I started thinking about this stuff even five years ago. We've been talking about these things, and I mean, you're a few years older than us. I mean, it's time to and Jeff and Dan and a couple of our other friends like. I, I wonder, do they? Is there a plan in place, or because it doesn't seem like there is? Mm. And do you just work, work, work until they say no more work, and then go, "Holy shit balls! I got to do something now else." What do I do? Yeah. Mango fruit stand in Thailand. Right. Or, but was that was part that of the plan? plan? Right. Okay. <laughs> it's banana, banana, uh, banana Nutella crepes. But, oh, okay. Don't blow it out. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't mind doing that. Right. Or at least you know, half time in a warm country, half time here. But I always wonder what other people's plans are because I'm looking for ideas and and you know to plan my way. Right. But right. I don't. Anybody I know has just left and gone home. I don't know what they do. Or I. I'm kind of waiting to see what my children are doing and what direction they're going into, because that which will is give a crucial. Me, yeah. It's, stage, I mean, yeah. I I've always believed in being close to family, but now I'm in a situation where. Geez, my kids might be spread out over the world. Exactly. Uh, right. How do I deal with this? What do I do? Sure. And, um, it's possible I could go back to my hometown, but then the reverse culture shock. Yeah. That takes a few years <laughs> to adjusting to. At least. Um, just waiting to see how things develop and, yeah. um, you know, you guys know I've had a hagwan for what seventeen years. Been a hagwan owner and director, but it's coming close to ending this time. Right. We're moving, and um, but it, I think it's good that you're that you're taking a proactive approach to to you know to the thing you're thinking about. You know the retirement center or um, or. or exploring exploring different options rather than just sitting around and waiting saying, for yeah, it to waiting, happen. Waiting for yeah, no, to definitely. Play. You have to begin That's to the, it's think. The right it's, way to go. it's the next next level. Right. You know. Absolutely. And, and I, I'm thinking like you, if my kids aren't here, I don't have a lot of ties here. If my in-laws pass away, then what is what is left here? Right. Do I want to be here or do I want to be with my wife in a warm country or a cheap country or... Or split time. So, yeah, that's. I'm also always thinking and considering those things as well. If my kids, I think there's a good chance that they won't go to university here. Right, right. And, and well, no, my, my youngest son's going. He's number three, bonus baby. It's all paid for. He's going here. Yeah. Whether he likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we know how active you are and, and, and stuff in the community. And you've mentioned writing for the foreign uh, newspaper for the city and owning a hagwon and all these things. What do you think is missing from the community in general for for the children and for uh, the teachers or, or expats or Western expats living here well, apart was, from the retirement home? I will specifically say for us men who are married to Korean women, it would be nice to get a little support for us. We are the minority of minorities. You mean doing the dishes? No. Um when your kids are old enough, you'll appreciate them doing dishes, <laughs> preparing for their part-time jobs. Um, but, you know, the programs that are available to all the immigrant wives, legally, those programs are available to us, too. But right. they're certainly not marketed to us. Right. And actually, as Western men, we tend to do things differently. But, hey, if you have a problem and your wife is busy and can't go to the 
public school where your child goes to and mm. you need to go to some parent event or you need to yeah. sign some document or something that, you know, check out. You know, you need to... I think it'd be helpful to have some support. Now, I, I've been very fortunate. I break all the rules and I just go directly to the school. My youngest son says, don't come to school. My older, <laughs> my older kids didn't know. I just go to school and handle these things. And the schools have been... Very supportive. I've met with principals who said, thank you for coming to visit. We'll help you and, you know, do what we can. If yeah. you, um, but I think fathers with younger kids need to know that the there is support for you as well. I didn't, I haven't joined the Facebook dads in Korea or whatnot because I have, <laughs> I have enough of my own stress to yeah. worry about I, listening I, I, to I think that's a great support account. network. I mean, there, it is. I do. There are some funny dad dad jokes on there, but I'm sure. I'm I I sure. I used to laugh at the beginning, but now I mean, I I've taken so much from reading posts and just yeah. other opinions and perspectives on there. That's really no, it's helped just, me. How 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 it's moderated? I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen such a such a tightly moderated group. No, it, you know, where a new, a, a new person comes in, throws an offside comment. It's like, oh, you're new here. Well, this is an, <laughs> this, this is how it works. So. Shout out, shout out to expat dads. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, I do agree. That's a very good. So I, I, I'm curious about you think one of the things necessary is the support in, in which form? Because in my opinion, I think you said for us men married to Korean women, I think the majority of them are lazy. I Who? I can't believe how many men don't are, men are the women. <laughs> who are we talking about? The here? men, the <laughs> men who don't learn Korean, the men who say, "Oh, this is a pain in the ass." This is the men who don't try to assimilate a little bit to right. Korean culture. So I'm wondering, like, when I think of the Southeast Asian women who are married to Korean men, I mean, they try a lot harder to. You know, integrate into Korean culture they, they and don't, society. They don't try. They have to. They have to talk to so, their mother-in-law. So, so that's what I'm saying. We don't <laughs> have to. to so, do we? Do we fine. get to stay on our pedestal and say, "Hey, I'm American. I'm Canadian. I don't have to. You should do it my way, or I'm English, so you should well, make I, you should make English forms what, for for us two no, percent of immigrants." English or, forms. I think it has to do. I mean, I there needs to be some professional counseling available because those of us who have been married. Um, there are definitely culture clashes. Sure. And it depends, um, I guess, your, your age, your, your background. Um, if your Korean spouse has traveled overseas, lived in another country, yeah. they're a lot more flexible. Yeah. And as opposed to... Well, listen, I have the number one support for you. <laughs> it's expat dads in Korea. <laughs> because we're too small of a minority to request any of that... I mean, the the Southeast Asian women who are married here, there there are a huge number of them, right, right, and 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 justfully so, they have that much of the of the budget allocated to them and sure. helping them assimilate to Korean culture. But I think we right. are the most demanding of the immigrants, and we're the least willing to change and and adapt to the Korean environment. Yes, they have to, but we. We can say we don't have to because we're lucky that we make more money or, or we chose or so I think I've never felt that that way. I've never I mean dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I feel you, you know, we, we can complain lots about Korean culture. But I mean there's a lot of problems well, I, we have at home too that we don't see because we're 
Canadian and Canada. I guess it, it depends on how you adjust to your conditions and your, mm. your relationships and your in-laws and how you're welcomed into the family mm. and whatnot. And that's why I say um, I'm not like that. And I think that's because I put a lot of effort in, mm-hmm. a lot of time and effort. And yeah. I have a lot of friends that say, I got to go to the in-laws for two days. I, who cares? Go to the in-laws and have a good time. Yeah. Make the best out of it. Someone's watching the kids. When I first came here, we had the first Chuseok, and I wanted to help in the kitchen because I've always helped in the holidays. Right. Man, these sister-in-laws looked at me and, you know, you know. I got the the laser beams from the father-in-law and the uncle. Like, hey, you want... Buddy, we've been sitting down here for thirty years. Don't don't exactly. don't, don't be a hero. Yeah. Sit down and you know, but have another drink. But even if it's once a, or twice a year for two or three days, big deal, man. Go, just go, put yeah. your time in and do it. So that's what I think that. And it makes that it makes that we're in different situations. But I think a lot of a lot of men who are married to Korean women, they they expect too much. I mean, we're living in Korea. I mean, the least we could do is put an effort into. Sure, sure, sure. And some people will argue that you know, I, I we just we butt heads, we don't get along. But try again. Yeah, change but, your style. Try a different angle. But it that's where a good counselor can come in and explain that if a counselor knows both cultures, right? They can be the they can connect you. Because ah, hey. I I I really think many couples have serious problems sometimes they just okay we don't talk about this and that's not healthy no. because in the future it will come up again sure absolutely when you're when you're young and you've got kids and they're they're little everybody's focused on the kids you don't worry but when the kids have more freedom you're back to yourself and yeah. how does that relate and everybody changes that's a good point you know sure. so I, I i strongly believe that you know that counseling for sure professional counseling. the expat dad's group is certainly wonderful for supporting but unless you have some serious korean input and korean understanding that that's still one-sided i feel yeah i feel it's a little less one-sided i just think there's so many guys who've been here 15 20 25 years and not just teachers they're from all different walks of life and guys who've been married two or three times here Guys divorced, yes. guys whose <laughs> wives have stole their kids. I mean, there's every kind of story you right. can imagine. So that's the best part of the support of that group, I feel, is that you put something out there. I mean, even if you're hesitant, there's always going to be a couple guys that can understand sure. where you're coming from because they've already gone through it. Right. And and they can they might be able to say, you know, maybe I didn't understand Korean culture enough and that's why this happened, but you should do it this way because I was wrong. Right, right, right. Um, and I, that's why, I, you know, we used to laugh at how many people would air their dirty laundry on there. I would never do that, never do that. But until you're in the situation, mm-hmm. you have nowhere to go. There isn't the counselor to, to go to. So well, th- that's, that, your, that's, what that's I'm your saying brotherhood. These days yeah. now, yeah. they're developing that. But sometimes you need to speak it. Just a little reminder yeah. that, right. hey, you got some men here that need some help too. Not, not pushy or anything yeah. because we know there is a pecking order. However... Right. They want to provide. They want to, you know, to hear. The, I'm talking about government services yeah. and whatnot. You know, they they do their best to reach out to support. And if we don't speak up a little, they don't listen. And that's another so, good one on there too, though. Guys will say, "Hey, I'm thinking about divorce," and they're like, "Okay, call this lawyer, this lawyer, this yeah. attorney, this." And I mean, someone's been there. They know this guy speaks English. He yeah. specializes in divorce law. He, and that's why I think. 
But yeah, if it's if you're referring, I mean, less to divorce and and legal legal matters, and more speaking to uh, mental health issues or having mm-hmm. someone to talk to in in times of need, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's generally ignored. In not not only for our population, but in in Koreans in general, I think that's something that's just you know if you absolutely have, if you have uh, that's really depression or anxiety, that's something you bury. Well, that or, that's uh, really changed a lot. I, you know, I I work with the Bonarim Foundation. And that's, you know, working with the kids who are low-income families or mm-hmm. whatnot. And I, I have close ties with social workers. And I've been able to see the development of how they are dealing with the changing structures. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with the um, shelters for abused women or shelters yeah. for abused kids and how that's changing and how the, you know, growth and development um mm-hmm. In many positive ways, yeah. I think it's very important. That's uh, that's good. I'm glad to see Korea is going in uh, in that direction because I think yeah, for a long time, and people had no uh, nowhere to nowhere to go, or it's even kind of looked down upon, or, or maybe you're shamed if you break your arm. Everyone's Weak. sympathetic. Sure. If you're if you're mentally uh, right, mentally right. mentally have problems, and that's you know we're yeah. seeing it more and more every day here. Yeah. It's creeping up. And wait till I mean, wait till it really hits with uh, with how social media is affecting uh, affecting the children of the, the you know yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the children who are starting in grade one you know uh, and and progressing through elementary middle high school how they how they turn out or what kind of problems they're gonna face sure Korea I, um, I, I hope they get more more uh, I I don't know about you guys if I had some serious issues that I needed to talk about, would you feel comfortable talking with a Korean? I feel that I, I would assume that a, a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable talking to a, I mean, just from my experiences going to the hospital, well, I mean, they shout out my personal information over the whole city on a loudspeaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would I be willing to sit down with a Korean counselor and tell them my, well, my life story and actually, have them announce it in the, on the NBC you, news? When you finish, he's like, I hope you don't mind. We're live streaming. I would, I, I, I would investigate where they did their training mm. um, because a few years ago I had I really needed help and I needed support nobody in Ulsan I could talk to mm. but what I did was there was an ad in the Korea Times or Korea Herald mm. and a psychologist he, he wrote a famous book on anger and dealing with stuff so I actually Ooh. called up and talked to him now, I was lucky enough that he listened to me for a little bit free. You know, I mean, you know, they do charge and stuff, but the encouragement that he gave me and, you know, he referred me to a certain book and I got into that and that helped. Right. Sometimes that's um, all you need, man. Just, uh, or they say, I don't remember the statistic, but it just, Seventy percent of people, or something, are cured just by saying or by being able Releasing. to let. Sure, by not, and that's not why the expat dads group is a good exactly. place to, to communicate. And and how how do you feel when you go into a doctor's office or dentist office and the guy says, "Hey, how are you?" I go, "Wow, I'm back home. I'm completely at ease." As opposed to everybody going, "Oh my god, oh my god, wake again, wake again, wake again." Yeah. As soon as a doctor or dentist or someone speaks English. And, you know, they trained in the States or they trained in, in the UK. Wow. I just, okay. You, you understand me. Go. I go oh. to the same doctor you understand for 15 me. years. <laughs> but you, you understand me on a different level than just the Korean guy. Right. And it's such a, a comforting feeling knowing that even if he says, I was in Vancouver, I go, 
Okay, I feel much more comfortable with you already just because right. you're in Vancouver. Right. If you watched a hockey game, holy shit, you're going to be the best surgeon ever. <laughs> but just that level of comfort knowing right. when they can speak or communicate yeah. um, is such a different feeling than when you think the guy's just guessing at what he's doing because because he can't communicate. Well, I think, you know, with the Ulsan online and stuff, when we communicate, you know, hey, I need a doctor who's, you know, um, we've been able to find... English-speaking doctors for most important medical issues. Right. I need to find a good one for eye doctor, but otherwise. Uh, I use the same doctor because he trained in the States, and we have a good relationship. He's a family doctor, and that's fantastic. And when we can share this information with one another about who to go to, who can – and it's not to disrespect anybody else – Oh, it's just a lot more comforting. It, yeah, definitely. It puts a lot your more it comforting. puts your mind at ease instead of always being so nervous and anxious. You know, um, I teach at the Family Culture Center, and one of the things that has helped me enjoy my time in Korea is to change the age group that I teach. I right. love teaching kids; it's fine. Yeah, but now I teach thirty-year-old to eighty-year-old. Yep. I have all ages, all backgrounds, and it's very enriching for me. Sure, <clears throat> because we sh- we can make connections, yeah. and I think that's the mo- for me making a connection in Korea helps me to feel comfortable, relaxed, and stay in the society. When I see where my children are going to end up, I will make the next decision to where I'm going to go. Yeah. Kev, well, well said, man. Well said. Um, listen, we're running, uh, we're running short on time. Again, it always, it always comes down to this. We still have a list. <laughs> I was going to say you can't right. say that every time. No, we, have, uh, we have, we have, we have got a list of. Uh, but we have twenty-seven things more to talk about. You miss <laughs> uh, it all. It's, Come on. It's always, it, it, it always happens like this. But um, again, we're gonna, we're gonna have you on. There's so many more things that uh, that we uh, that we have to talk about. Really enjoyed having you here, listening to your story. Appreciate being here. Yeah, Thank you no very problem. much. Um, yeah, if you want to, uh, if you want to check out Kevin's website, you said it's still up. Uh, oh, just through Facebook. Through Facebook, Ulsan English Fellowship. Ulsan English Fellowship yeah, has my telephone number. Call and find me. Hashtag American Jesus. <laughs> 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 Anyways, Kev, thanks so much for uh, for coming out. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye.